Aren't you thankful that you're redeemed? Aren't you glad that he has revealed himself to you? I can't imagine life without him. Thank you, Jesus. I love how God uses music and lyrics and melodies to draw us into him. You know, the Psalms has music behind them. I can't wait till we get to heaven to hear those tunes. <laughs> uh, and not just read them, but sing them. Hallelujah. Well, if you're just joining us, uh, Chris is not here, obviously. Lord, I pray for his uh, quick recovery from whatever he has. Give him rest this day. And bless him, I pray in Jesus' name. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're listening online. I have, I think, a beautiful word for you this morning. Uh, before I give it, I thought, Kim has a book of liturgy. Uh, and frequently, Kim just out of the blue, you know, because the kids are over. Hey, there's a liturgy for that. <laughs> there's a liturgy for having our meal, for dinner, for a vacation, a holiday. And they're good stuff. There's good things to recite to remind us of things. Um, Kim and I are involved with a ministry called Trustees. It's a three-day renewal weekend for Christians. And that ministry uses liturgy as well. If you don't mind, I thought my prayer this morning would be one of those liturgies. There are several here that have gone through Trustees, and you'll recognize page 14. <laughs> So let's pray, and just here's a liturgy that uh, I just don't want us to hear for the sake of hearing, but I want us to apply our heart to it. Amen? Come, Holy Spirit, fill our hearts and kindle them in the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created. And you shall renew the face of the earth. O oh God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit instructs the hearts of the faithful, grant that by the same Holy Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in His consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. I believe, Lord, that you are here present. Although my eyes do not see you, my faith senses you. Take any stray thoughts from my mind. Make me understand the truths that you wish to teach me in this meditation. Let me make up my mind to put them into practice. Your servant is listening. Speak, O oh Lord, to my soul. We give thanks, Lord God Almighty, for all the benefits that you have given us to you who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You might want to. I know many times in my life and talking to people that go, I just, I just don't know what to pray. And of course, we talk about the Lord's Prayer and these different models that we have. But the liturgy is, a, is another model. It's, it's another tool and an aid that God can use to draw you into His presence. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The title of this sermon is called Enjoying God's Glory. Enjoying God's glory. This sermon is based on an article that uh, I'm taking Mark Roberts. I don't think Mark's here. Is he? uh, I'm taking Mark Roberts' class on counseling. And boy, does he have a lot of articles that we want to read. 
And at one particular time, he said, I want you to take the, your favorite article that we've read. It's a weekly class that we're in for a couple of hours every Tuesday. And I want you to summarize it. I want you to embellish it. I want you to draw out your thoughts from it. So when Chris called me yesterday to come and preach for him, we had some guests over, and then we went to another function in the evening. And uh, it was a very busy day, so I didn't really get too much time thinking about it until around 10 o'clock last night. And, and this, this article by John Piper kept coming up that I've written a review on kept coming up. So I'm going to kind of share that with you today, if that's okay. And I made a title for it called Enjoying, the, Enjoying God's Glory. The title of the article that he had us read was God's Glory is the Goal of Biblical Counseling. God's Glory is the Goal of Biblical Counseling by John Piper. Many of y'all familiar with John Piper. There are several people that had a local minister who's a pastor in Minnesota and God gave them the calling to go beyond his own congregation. There's several of them. Some of you probably could come to mind. And uh, he, he was at the Bethlehem Church in Minnesota. And uh, his ministry obviously went beyond that congregation. And uh, so look him up. He's got some great things to say. Now, I don't believe and share some of the things that he believes. For example, he is a five-point Calvinist. I'm probably more of a three-point Calvinist. <laughs> Some of you are going, what, what did that mean? Don't worry, you get to go to heaven and not even know what five-point Calvinism is all about. Uh, but uh, there's just some things. But you know what? Romans chapter 14 says there's disputable matters and don't let that, don't let the differences come between you. That, well, that's not what I'm after. I'm wanting you all to come together. And most of the essentials, the main things we are to read well, this article is about biblical counseling. This sermon is not about biblical counseling. It's about God's glory. But I was when I saw the title of that article, God's glory is the goal of biblical counseling, I said, Lord, uh, of course it is. But isn't, if you really think about it, everything, the goal of everything is to have God's glory as a center of it? Just biblical counseling. I was reminded when I took that thought of 1 Corinthians 10, 31. In all that you do, do it all for the what? Glory of God. Everything. There's nothing left out, but we should not be mindful of His glory. I looked up, you know, the Greek, the all word there, and guess what it means? All. Yeah. All. We should be seeking to see His glory and then reflect that glory to others. What will they be seeing? The transformed life and ever going from glory to glory and increasing, letting God's glory increase in us so they can not see us, but they can see Him. I think about the moon. Y'all have all seen the moon, but at different times of the month it looks a little different, doesn't it? Sometimes it's the full radiance of the sun, S-U-N, and that sun reflects off the moon. But throughout the month, what happens? Something gets in the way, diminishing the fullness of the sun, of the moon's glory. What is it? The earth, the planet, the world 
gets in the way and diminishes the glory of God. That doesn't need to be our story. We want the Son, S-O-N, we want the full measure of His glory being given to us so we can then reflect that glory so others can see. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 16. I like John 15, verse uh, 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. When God starts to bless us, it's not just about us. It's that we might take that blessing and bless others so they can see his glory. Thus proving that we really are his disciples. I have another illustration about the fullness of, and our ability to bless others so God can see him in us. All right. This is not full, is it? You know, I like scriptures like Ephesians chapter uh, 3.17. This is my prayer. It's Paul's prayer. That you know the breadth, the height, the width, the length of God's love. That you may be receive the full measure of God. Isn't that great? Knowing how much God loves you causes you to embrace that love and causes you to be more like him. Because that full measure of him is now available to be passed on to others. Alright, so here's my illustration. This is not full, is it? Is it full now? Okay, okay, no, it's not full. Okay. Is it full now? No, not quite. Is it, is, is it full now? There you go. It's not full until it overflows. And that's what God wants to fill us with Him more and more and more that the overflow can bless those in our lives. And they can see Him through our walk with him, of the transformed mind, etc. Okay, where's heaven? That's a great little children's uh, <laughs> ministry kind of thing. All right, Webster's 1828 definition of the word counseling is to give advice or deliberate opinion to another for the government of his conduct. To give advice. There's one word I don't like here. We're not talking about biblical counseling, just counseling. To give, to give advice or to deliberate opinion to another for the government of his conduct. Biblical counseling changes one word. It changes the word opinion to scripture. Now let's read it. Biblical counseling is to give advice and deliberate scripture to one, to another, for the government of his conduct. 
Because the Bible is the best source for transformation. It's the best source for what governs our life. And if it's not that, I fear the consequence of what we would allow to govern our lives. God wants that position. God did not die on the cross so you could remain the same. He's after something. His glory being exhibited in you to others. I can just see the Holy Spirit and Jesus and the Father before creation and everything. And the Father says something like this. My Son, Holy Spirit, what, when I create them, what can I give them to express my deepest love for them? What, what can that be that I can give them so they have no doubt I'm madly in love with them, my creation? What could that be? I know I will give them me. So when God wants you to glorify him and to see his glory, it's not because he's like needy and needs attention. Oh, come on, give me attention. Stop playing so much golf. Get, get, come on, let me have more of a higher place in your life. It's not that at all. He knows that greatest thing that can satisfy you and fill you up is Him. There's nothing of a greater gift than Him giving us Himself. He died to save us from, the, from sin, the ways of the world, the flesh, and our sinful nature. Ephesians chapter 2, 1 through 6, because of His great love, he made us alive in Christ, so it is by grace. It's because of that love that you are saved. Romans 5, 17 says, before Christ reigned in your life and you gave him that position, death reigned. Death governed your life and your character and your conduct. But when you received Christ and became that new creation, you have a new Lord, a new person to govern your life, and that's Jesus. Hallelujah. God wants to save you not only so you can enjoy Him forever, but like I said, so others can see the work that He's done in you and give Him glory. Because the end of all things is God's glory. Now, we haven't defined glory, have we? <laughs> I like to define things and just make sure that we're, I'm communicating with the author that we're trying to say. So I gave you a definition of biblical counseling. Now I'm going to give you a definition of his glory. It means seeing the radiance, the splendor, the magnificence, the worth, the greatness, the goodness of God. The Hebrew word for glory is heavy or weight. There is nothing more heavier or weighty than the splendor and greatness of God. The weight of God's glory is so great, there's nothing that can be compared to it. Part of the definition of that Greek word includes this. The glory of God is the unspoken manifestation of His unspoken. I take that to mean no words can define or describe it. It's beyond words. Wow. When the angels in heaven, and we will join them, 
are around the throne of God, what are they saying day or night? Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, the one who is, was, and is to come. Thank you, I just lost it there for a minute. Again, let's define holy. Most would say it's sacred. It's, a, it's about being free from evil and a, a character and a, and a, uh, the ability to maintain the absence of sin in your life. I mean, you can go through all that stuff, but that's, that's true. But part of the definition of holy is it's not like anything else. It's different than anything else. So the angels are saying, God, you're so you're so glorious. You're, there's no splendor. There's no radiance. There's no brilliance. There's nothing that gets close to who you are. And God gives us an opportunity to walk in relationship with him and in his presence, <clears throat> letting others know how much God means to us how good and great and splendid is that God, that God was. Looking for and seeking to discover and acknowledge the glory of God is the key to contentment. Think about it for a bit. The glory of God is the key to contentment. And we're going to turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be there for a second or two. In a few seconds, so you want to join me. Go to 4, starting in 11, Ephesians 4, 11. Because Paul makes a statement that we're going we're gonna to learn the secret. Let's, let's read it together. For I am not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. What's the definition of contentment? If you look it up, the Greek word means independent. It's not dependent upon anything else. So let's put the definition in there. I have learned to be independent from any circumstance that would try to draw my attention away from him. My relationship with him is not dependent upon my circumstance. It's not dependent if I have or I have not. I am I'm independent of those things. And I've learned the secret to being that way. And I'm going to tell you what it is if you don't already know. I saw this several years ago, and I think it was John Piper that said the same thing I was saying, then I felt that much better. <laughs> Thanks for confirming it. Uh, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. I know what is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content. He learned it. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether to be Fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, a lot of some people say, there it is, there's the secret. We can do everything through him who gives you strength. I don't think so. I think when I tell you what the secret is, because of that reality, he I can just do anything. God can use me to do anything. Because of what I know. And let's 
go here. Let's go back the chapter. Let's go back the chapter to uh, Philippians 3, verse 7. Because this, this tells us, I believe, what the secret contentment is. But whatever was to my profit, this is verse 7, Philippians 3, 7. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. Hallelujah. That's the secret of contentment. He had such a deep, loving relationship with Christ, with His Father, with the Holy Spirit, that everything else lost its I consider them rubbish. All that he had, his position, his identity, and all the things that he did, which he said a few chapters, a few verses before, I consider, I, for, for those sake, I have considered all things, I'm sorry, lost my place here. Let's go back to verse 8. It is, what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, I consider them rubbish that I might gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Wow. The surpassing greatness of knowing Him caused Him to devalue the other things in His life so much that in comparison to the greatness of Christ, I consider them if I lose them, if I have them, if I don't have them, it doesn't matter because you know what? In comparison to what I have in Him and the relationship that I have that I get to enjoy all day long, all that stuff is really rubbish. You know what the Greek word is for rubbish? It's translated poop. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> you know what? If you lose your poop, you don't really care. <laughs> And you're really not going to lose sleep over it. We raise dogs. We throw it away. We throw food away. A lot of it. And the point Paul's trying to say is here, I learned the secret of being content. I just made everything really worthless in comparison to knowing him. And that motivates him to be able to do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens him. Good times, bad times, or whatever. And we can make God help us all learn the secret and contentment. It's not a secret anymore. We know it now. I like the parable of the great pearl. The guy found the great pearl. What did he do? He went and sold how much? Everything. And he went away in joy because he had the pearl. He lost, he, he, had, he gave up everything for the pearl. He didn't go away going, man, I sure, sure sure it's a lot for this. I hope it's worth it. Maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. No, he was delighted. Paul is delighted for what he has in Christ. The relationship that Christ died to open the door that we might be in relationship. I am thrilled. In fact, I am so thrilled. When can I get out of here and go see him face to face? Wow, when I read things like that, I'm challenged. I am so challenged. And I really ask God to forgive me. Say, God, forgive me. 
that I haven't got to this place, my stuff still means a lot to me. And I'm sorry for that. One of the secrets to being content is devaluing all the stuff. Now let's go to another place that's very similar that I'm going to ask you a question. Let's go all the way to Job.
was walking with the Lord to the depths that he was, everything, all his gold was like, just throw it in the ravine. It's, not, it's worthless to me. Here, it's the opposite. If you find yourself where you're not walking with the Lord, and you want more of the Lord, <coughs> get rid of it. Assign it to the ravine, don't put the value on it, and then God will take that place in your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be <clears throat> We have to be careful of treasuring things, treasuring nouns. What's a noun? Person, place, or thing. We need to be careful that we're not letting persons, places, or things have such a priority, have such a high value in our place that they become our treasure instead of Him. So which comes first? Do, do I... I'm not sensing God. I don't know where God is. I'm not walking with Him. I should. So what's first? Do I get... Do I devalue my stuff and, not, and realize I'm placing way too much value on my free time, on my career, on my sports, on my hobbies, whatever. Is that first, or is it knowing Him to the degree that we would get rid of this stuff? It's not a, it's, it's a trick question I'm asking, because it's not, it's, both are too valuable not to do them simultaneously. It's not linear if I do this, this, then this. It's a circle. God, I need more of you so I can devalue the things in my life that are standing in the way for the fullness of your glory be, be reflected out of my life. And I've also, Lord, in spending time with you, realized that this thing over here, I, I need to, it's in the way and I need to step in closer to you. I need to walk closer to you so I can have the fullness that you want to give me. Good stuff. But look what also happens. Look what else you get if you devalue your stuff, the nouns of your life. Then the Almighty will be your gold, the choicest silver for you. Surely then you will find delight in the Almighty and will lift up your face to God. You will pray to Him and He will hear you and you will fulfill your vows. Why? Because he is so valuable to you, you want to please him. He wants to please you, and you want to please you. You can find delight in him, which is always so much easier to walk in the things of God because you delight in him instead of because it's duty. Duty is not an ugly word, but it is not going to help you find the joy that God wants to give you. Hmm. I'm going to prove that in a minute, but stay with me here. What you decide will be done. The light will shine on your ways. Matthew, we already read that. Let your light so shine that others may see your good deeds and give God the glory. When we need to live that way all the time, that people give God the glory because of who they see us as. All right, you, what you decide will be done. The light will shine on your ways when men are brought low and you say, lift them up. Then he will save the downcast. 
He will deliver even one who is not innocent, who will be delivered through the cleansingness of your hands. Well, you should go home. Just dwell on that later on this afternoon. During halftime of the Cowboy game. Just dwell on that a little bit. God, because you have made me so clean, because you're transforming my life, you're telling me that I can even pray for those that are downcast and you will, you will hear my prayer. You'll go, yes, because you're radiating me and I'm going to make sure they see it. I will honor what you have given me by giving you more people to bless. God, this is just amazing to me. God is so good. When men are brought low and you say, God, lift them up. Then he will save the downcast. Just because you prayed for them. Just because you were walking deeply with him. Abide with me. John 15 says. If you abide with me. You can ask whatever you will. And it will be given to you. Give me more people. That doesn't mean that you can now go. Pray for a Ferrari. God going. I think you're interpreting that a little wrong there. Be so in tune with me that ask and I will bless you with that in order that not, that not only that you will see my glory more, but others will see it. He will deliver even the one who's not innocent who will be delivered through the cleansiness of your hands. Wow. Let's go to John chapter 17. How are we doing? Look at the time there. One of the benefits of knowing him is what it produces in you. This is uh, John 17, verse 25. This is Jesus' prayer before the cross. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I love this. Listen, I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known. The ministry of Jesus when he was on the planet Earth, walking in the flesh, was to, one of the things was to make his father known to the disciples, to his disciples. And I love where Jesus says, oh, and I'll continue that. I'm not going to stop doing that because I'm in heaven. And you will continue to make, I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. The, the fruitfulness, the effect of knowing him, like Paul knew him, was also the fact that you're going to receive his love and love him back. It's all about love. Get in his word, digest it daily, find him in scripture, and see what God wants to do. But one of the things he'll do first is give you a new love for him because you are receiving his love in return. Does that make sense? Look what it says in John chapter 15. We read that a few minutes ago about the glory. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. 
showing yourself to be my disciple. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. This is 15.10 now. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remained in his love. Now look at this. This is another thing that this love relationship produces. And I bet you want more of it when I let you see what it is. Here we go. I have told you this. The things that he just told you, the things that I just read. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. May be full. May overflow into the life of others. John uh, Westminster Catechism. Catechism is a, a, a huh? It's, a, it's, it's manuscripts. It's, it's learning from manuscripts. Catechism in the 1600s in London. That's why they call it the Westminster, the Shorter Westminster Catechism. A bunch of archbishops and bishops and pastors of churches got together because they said, we got to show our congregations that we agree on more things than we disagree. And they started just answering questions. They answered 250 questions, but they said, ah, it's too big of a book. They're not going to read it. So they came up with a shorter version, which is around about 100 of Here was the first question. Yeah, let's go, Kim. Can you work with me? Okay, there we go. Uh, so the first question that they answered was this. What is the chief end of man? What is man's purpose? What, why are we here? You know the answer? To glorify God and enjoy Him that's the answer. John Piper said, I like it, but I want to change one word. The chief end of man is to glorify God and then not then and enjoy him forever. Don't make it separate from the first part. The chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. It's the satisfaction that we get by abiding in him and glorifying him that brings great joy that people are going to see and go, I, I don't get this. Why, why are you so happy when things are going on? Because I'm content. Why are you content? Because I have things to be, because I have him and everything else doesn't really mean that much to me. I mean, you've got a whole story that you go on there. But he built a ministry around that thought that enjoying God is the best thing you can do to glorify God. He had a phrase that said, the chief, it says, oh gosh, now I can't remember it. Uh, Kim, can you help me here? God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in Him. That's how we glorify God. Not coming to church on Sunday by itself, not just getting in the Word by yourself, because you can read the Word, and if you don't do the Word, it doesn't really do anything for you. Not going to the Bible study, life group, to be in a life group, all that's good stuff, don't get me wrong. But He wants us to be satisfied. He wants our 
He wants to be the most important thing in our life. If he is not the thing that we love the most, the thing that we have over him is idolatry. Yes. And God in the Bible says, cast down idolatry. Don't let anything be greater of a love than him. I like Kim's favorite verse, Joan of the Whale. 2.8. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that can be yours. You know where Jonah got that revelation? Inside the belly of a whale. He said, okay, God, this isn't working very well. Can I have time to rethink this thing about going to Nineveh? Yes, you may. It's the first biblical timeout. Timeout. It's not going to be a room. Get inside the belly of that whale. And he came to himself and he said, Lord, I, I've made an idol out of wanting justice ministered to those evil people. I've made that the most important thing in my life. It even caused me to want to run away from you because you didn't see it the way I saw it. And he was forfeiting the grace that could be his. Wow. Okay, we've got to wrap this thing up. Let me ask you a question. In, in conclusion, are you, is the greater joy knowing how much God thinks of you? Or is the greater joy knowing how much you think of Him? Let me put the love word in there. Is the greater joy knowing how much God loves you? Or is the greater joy come? Both are important. That's not what I'm trying to say. It's not getting either or permanent so much. But the greater joy is in loving Him. Let me put this more in a natural context for you. If you were in my house and you were visiting me, Robert was there sitting at the couch with me, playing with one of my dogs, and Kim walks into the room, and I do this. I look to Robert and I go, see that woman? She loves me a whole lot. Now that's true. That's true. But it also can maybe make me the sinner. It also, Satan could use it to go, hey, look at me. Because she loves me so much, watch this. Hey, honey, can you get me a drink out of the refrigerator? <laughs> she loves me. It can cause me to, I need something else that I don't go there. There's something else I need loving her beyond measure. So that when she walks into the room, then I look, if I said this to Robert, see, see that woman? God, I love her with all of my heart. And it's because of that love it will keep me from committing adultery. It will cause me to be faithful. It will cause me to go, what can I do to bless you? How can I serve you? All those things happen because love is in my heart. And it's a joy and delight to love her. Now translate that to God. Do you love him? Do you want to continue to grow in love with him? Because if you do, you won't find another lover. The things of this world won't mean as much. And you'll find new delights. And the bottom line, those new delights will cause you to give glory to him, which others will see 
And God will say, well done, faithful servant. Thanks for being so overflowing with me that people can see the overflow and be blessed. Oh, you need 